Hello everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you about strange things that have happened in history. I am your host for this week, Barnaby King, and joining me as ever is my co-host, Amelia Edwards. Hey! Hello, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Nearly the end of term. Woo! Excellent. Well, since it is coming up to, you know, the summertime, mm-hmm. what more seasonable time than to have some spooky mysteries? <laughs> God's sake. Because <laughs> I've actually, I've got a couple of mysteries for us today, uh, because we're going to start off with an episode at. Awesome. So, you know John Glenn, the astronaut? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He appeared on Frasier in an episode. <laughs> he did it's one. It's great. It's a wonderful episode. It is. And he talks about seeing things in space that couldn't explain. Yeah. You know, there's actually some truth to that. What, John Glenn saw things in space that he couldn't explain? Yeah. What, really? Yeah. So, in February of 1962, John Glenn spent five hours in space mm-hmm. in the spacecraft Friendship 7. Aww. I know. I've never heard of Friendship 7. <laughs> I know, it's so cute. Were there other friendships? Presumably so. Six uh, of them, <laughs> at least. Well, this is, was part of the Mercury Project, and it was basically testing to see what the effects of space travel on the human body were. That makes sense. Before they're trying to get to the moon, I assume. Yeah. And during the flight, he witnessed a strange phenomena that he couldn't explain, and NASA initially couldn't explain either. John Glenn said, I'm in a big mass of some very small particles that are brilliantly lit up like they're luminescent. I never saw anything like it. They're coming by the capsule, and they look like little stars, a whole shower of them coming by. Later, when he was on Earth, he described them as being like fireflies around the ship. Okay. NASA was obviously worried about the possibility that, you know, the ship was breaking apart or something. Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah, but no, the Friendship 7 was fine. Okay, he found space bugs. Space bugs, yes, aliens. Amazing. Well... They thought that maybe one of the effects of space travel might be that John Glenn was hallucinating. That's fair. I could imagine hallucination could be a byproduct of space travel. Yeah, so they were a bit concerned about this and they they wanted to make sure that, you know, it wasn't something serious that was going to affect them trying to go to the moon. (laughs) Yeah. Imagine if you went to the moon and it was just like a fireworks display the whole way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no one would have prepared you for that. No. <laughs> I mean, I really like um, uh, H.G. Wells. Yeah. And he has that story about going to the moon. It's the stupidest story. Oh, it's great. I love it so much. Cavorite. And a sphere that... What is it? A sphere that blocks gravity... Yes. ...in the same way that, like, regular materials block light. Yeah, so gravity just doesn't work on this sphere. Yeah. So if you open up, a, like, a particular hole like a window, yeah. then it'll shoot you towards that direction. So they use that to go into space. Yeah. But also, <laughs> they try to deal with the radiation in space by just wearing blankets. I think that's just... Is it the radiation or is it just the temperature? It might just be the temperature. I'm not sure. I think it's just the temperature. I'm not sure radiation was known about. Doesn't one of them take a book to read as well? Yeah. And it's like, why didn't you bring one? <laughs> yeah, one of them takes the complete works of Shakespeare. Amazing. And the other one t- takes a newspaper because that was the <laughs> only thing he could grab (laughs) 
so dumb. It's a brilliant story, though. It's great fun. But yeah, so this was definitely at a time when they're still working out exactly what space is going to be like for people to travel in. Yeah. So it's pretty important that you should know whether or not there are some sort of space bugs up there. Yeah, for sure. Imagine if you brought back space bugs. Yeah. Well, a similar effect was observed in the later ship, the Aurora 7. And they finally worked out what it was. What was it? It wasn't aliens, I'm afraid. I I didn't think it would be, otherwise (laughs) we've known about them for a while. So what it likely was, and we we don't know for certain, but there's a couple of theories. Essentially, when the spaceship went into uh, orbit... The condensation on the sides froze. Oh. And it was like all the sort of byproduct stuff of it flying into space, like everything sort of anything leaking out fuel wise or atmosphere itself, basically, would condense and form little ice crystals Mm. on the side of the spaceship. And any sort of motion could knock them off. And then the sunlight would glitter off them and create a sparkling effect. Oh. There's also another thing that can create these little moisture droplets. And that's the fact that spaceships do have vents. Yeah, okay. To take away things like sweat. Okay. And urine. Okay, great. It's possible that John Glenn was... (laughs) Observing his own glittery urine. Yeah, basically... (laughs) I mean, we don't know. I think that five hours, they probably wouldn't have a toilet on board. I think they'd more likely have a bag. Yeah. But this was basically observed that it's like, it's okay. It's not aliens. It's not <laughs> celestial interference. It's just piss. Great. So, mystery solved, eh? <laughs> I guess we're on to our next mystery, which is longer. Um, I hesitate to say more sensible. Because okay. it's about a goblin. Oh my god. Wait, this is a history podcast, Barnaby. Yeah, and, you know, we've covered the supernatural before. Recently, I did the Greenbrier Ghost. I know you did. And this is a documented situation. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, but, like, so is the Loch Ness non- Monster. Yes, yeah, and, you know, we'd... We'd probably do an episode about, you know, someone interesting hunting for the Loch Ness Monster. I mean, probably, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So don't don't come around here with that, making us out to be snobs of some sort. We're going to cover this goblin. Sure. Okay. With a blanket? <laughs> no. <laughs> so this story takes place in 1934 in Zaragoza. And now that's in Spain. And I believe the proper pronunciation would be, you know, with the th sound, so it'd be okay. Zaragoza. Okay. But... It sounds really dumb when English-speaking people do that. It sounds a little bit... What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Not like you're making fun, but you're you're trying to show how smart you are or something. Yeah, it's like when you say Paris. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to pronounce the Zs as Zs. Fair enough. It's also... Because otherwise, all I can think is that song from Popstar, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Well, Ibiza. Yeah. <laughs> tha, 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 yeah, tha. <laughs> exactly. So I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to go with Zaragoza. Sure. Uh, so this was the capital of Zaragoza province in the region of Aragon. Aragon, you say? Yes. I just want to mention that just because I love Aragon. 
It's such a good name for a kingdom. It's brilliant. And of course, we have Catherine of Aragon, <laughs> which always makes... We always have our little joke just because there's that bit in Frasier where he uh, Niles breaks one of the mugs, which is like the collection of Henry VIII's wives. They're espresso cups. Oh, are they? They are. Excellent. He's got a full set of them and it's taken him a long time. They sound so tacky. I know, right? Like more tacky than usual for Frasier. Yeah. Anne Boleyn, Catherine of Aragon. So this is two years before the city was taken by the nationalists in the July 1936 coup, which precipitated the Spanish Civil War. Okay. So I think things in Spain at this point, they're a little bit... Tense. Uh, a little bit tense, mm. but you know, it's, the, it, it's a bit of the calm before the storm. Okay. And this story takes place on Gascon Gotor Street... Uh, in the second floor home in a block of flats belonging to the Palazon family. Okay. Now, it's important to note that the block of flats here had one chimney that all stovepipes in the building were basically connected to. Okay, yeah, I've seen that. I, yeah. know what you, I know what you mean. Yeah. And this did mean that in each of the apartments, you could, generally speaking, hear some vague voices from, you know, people in other buildings okay. because the sound would travel up the stovepipe and, you know, yeah. you'd, you'd hear a little echo of it. Oh, man, that's got to be so irritating. Yeah, I think it was quite a common thing in buildings in the area at the time because I read another story about people basically being able to hear sewer workers. <laughs> oh, God. Like, there were a lot of pipes just connected to each other. <laughs> Great, okay. Yeah. So we're already prime haunting situation then. Yeah, absolutely. But things are going to get a bit more... A bit more targeted, shall we say. Okay. Because the Palazon family have a maid, Pasquala Alcosa. And on the evening of the 27th of September, she hears a man's voice coming from the stove. Not okay. Not so unusual. Sure. Yep. But this is a much clearer voice than normal. And also, it says her name. Right. And that is followed by a sinister laugh. Oh, okay. Yeah, which, you know, creepy as hell. That's creepy. Even if that's, like, them downstairs. Yeah. I don't want to hear that. No, you really don't. Yeah, like, the best option, I guess, is that the people in one of the neighbouring flats are chatting shit about you. And then laughing in a sinister way. Yeah. I don't want that. No, what do they have planned? <laughs> so, of course, she wakes up the family and is kind of like, um... What's going on here? Do you know what's going on? And they're like, no, we mm. have absolutely no idea. She sort of puts it aside as like, maybe she misheard something. Doesn't matter. Sure. She's going to just get on with her day. But over the next few days, the voice would continue. Okay. With laughter, mm. talking, and sometimes screams coming from the stove, sometimes as early as five in the morning. Oh, my God. Now, the family... They've all heard it at this point. Okay. It's so, not just the maid. Right. And they're kind of like, we don't know if we're being haunted or if this is just one of the neighbours or someone playing a trick on us. Yeah. Or we're all going mad. Okay. So they decide to do quite the sensible thing and go to the neighbours and start asking questions. I think that would be a good start. Yeah. Yeah. But And also, I guess, to see if anyone else has heard 
this voice. Because they would, wouldn't they? You'd think so. Like, the next people up from you would hear. Yeah. Or the next people down or whatever. But it doesn't seem like anyone else has heard this. Okay. Especially because, like, the only real, real way you could get to these pipes would either to be in one of the other flats or... If you were on the roof shouting down. Right. Like, okay. That's but this not... is the second floor. Yeah. So I'm assuming there's several floors. I believe so. Yeah. So not very likely. The most likely thing is that it is one of the neighbors. Okay. But they get the neighbors round and the voice continues. Right. Even when the other neighbors are there. And in fact, not only do they hear the voice, they can talk to it and it can reply. So it's not just, you know, someone shouting something without being able to hear it. Like, they can have a sort of conversation with the voice. Okay. And the voice is pretty rude, pretty what? nasty. Yeah. It kind of insults a lot of people. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. What? Just, um... So we listen to a variety of other podcasts. Yes, we do. Often about the supernatural. Yes, indeed. We've talked about this paranormal life before. Yeah, there's... In this paranormal life, one of the early episodes is about Corny the Ghost. There is a lot of Corny the Ghost energy here. This sounds like Corny the Ghost, who the people on this paranormal life decide is just a man in a barrel in yeah. someone's house. Well, it, it's a similar conclusion that everyone here has come to right now. It's kind of like, this has got to be a joke, right? Right, yeah. But it seems like all the neighbours are basically cleared of suspicion. Okay. Like... They they all come around and they all hear the voice. So it's like, it's not anyone here unless it's a sort of coordinated effort or something just targeting the Palazons, which would be like it, pretty clever, but, it, but real weird as well. Yeah, okay. So there's clearly this man somehow getting his voice into the chimney. Yeah. Right. And the neighbours start gossiping. Okay. And soon the whole street knows about the voice from the stove. And some of the more superstitious people in the area begin determining that it is, it's not a prankster. It is, in fact, a duende. Ooh. Which is a Spanish word meaning something akin to elf or goblin or fairy or something of that description. All right. Are they usually like trickstery? Well, duende can range in personalities from sort of friendly and playful to mischievous and malicious. Okay. And this is why this becomes known as the Zaragoza Goblin. It's okay. It's sort of easiest translation. I think it also, like, calling it the Zaragoza Elf, like, that's a, that's a bit of a different tone you're striking there. This is definitely more on the Goblin spectrum. I mean, it sounds kind of like a duende is like the old-fashioned way that we would look at fairies. Yes. But obviously now we look at fairies as being cute, so it wouldn't work. Yeah, exactly. Whereas the Zaragoza goblin is definitely insulting people, trying to scare them, yeah. like screaming at them. It's, it's not a good time <laughs> living there. Interest in the Zaragoza goblin led to many visitors to the Palazon's home, basically trying to hear this disembodied voice. Sure. And the goblin continued to talk, insulting, taunting people, but seemed to have a particular interest in Pasquale the maid. This poor woman. I know. She's got a hard job. Oh, you're going to feel much more sorry for her later on. Okay, great. Uh, so the Zaragoza goblin basically singled her out talked to her a lot and I think just kind of abused her a lot or, okay. or commented on her in that creepy way. 
Is it possible this is some disgruntled lover of hers or something? Well, they still don't know because all the neighbours have kind of been checked. Yeah. So... But have all the neighbours' servants been checked? (laughs) I don't know. But the family really didn't want their home to become a supernatural hotspot. Mm -hmm. So in mid-November, like this has been going on for over a month, and this is after there's actually international interest in the (laughs) goblin, Uh, the London Times wrote an article. Now, this confuses me. I don't know why they decided to entitle the article this, but they called it A Polite Spanish Ghost. This is not polite. I don't know what the Times was... I don't know. Maybe, but either way... What the hell, Times? Do they mean polite like it's in a city? Uh, could be. I don't know. Was that a common usage in 1934? Probably not. <laughs> I doubt it, yeah. Well, anyway, there's so much interest that basically the family's had enough and they decide to go to the police. Okay, makes sense. Yeah, and I guess they didn't want to go because normally the police wouldn't interest themselves in the supernatural. Yeah. But what if this is a guy just hiding in your fireplace? Well, that was one of the considerations. And the other consideration was also that there had been a lot of interest in this and people were getting pretty tense about it. Okay, yeah. Because there were a lot of people who were pretty convinced that this was a duende. Yeah. And they're kind of... The police were kind of like, no, we don't want this to become some sort of hysteria. So we're actually going to investigate. That makes sense. Yeah. So they arrived Mm -hmm. and a police officer at the scene asked the presumed prankster, who are you? Why are you doing this? Do you want money? (laughs) Okay. The voice replies, no. So the police officer asks, are you looking for a job? (laughs) The voice replies, no. The police officer, annoyed at these short, abrupt answers... That only answered one out of three of his questions. Yeah. Says, then who are you? What is it that you want, man? (laughs) And the voice replied, nothing. I am not a man. (gasps) Because it's actually a woman. Unsheathes their hair. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they do... Accounts of it do very much specify that it is a man's voice. Okay. Maybe it was just deep and booming, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does, though, have that... It's not... Um, oh, who is A-O-N. that? It's not Eowyn, then. No, from Lord of the Rings. No, it's not that. No, it's the Zaragoza Goblin. That's Ooh. why he's not a man, because he's a goblin. And... Fear of the Zaragoza Goblin was made worse when the police were basically like, okay, we're going to do an investigation. We need the Palazons out of there so that we have unrestricted access and can also make sure that, you know, it's not any of them. Yeah. Everyone else kind of saw this as they're being evacuated. This is dangerous. Oh, no. So... This actually led to more interest and more gossip and crowds in the hundreds gathered outside this apartment building. How big is Saragossa? Uh, I don't think it's very big. Okay. But clearly big enough to have hundreds of people interested in hearing about a goblin. Amazing. It turns (laughs) out it's just the whole town. (laughs) (laughs) They're all in on it. It's like that uh, episode of The Simpsons with the grifting. Where they all, the the rest of the town is in on it to teach Homer and Bart a lesson. Oh, yeah. An architect and some workmen were sent into the building in order to completely search it for any possible secret places or hiding spots or anything like that where 
a prankster might be hiding. They find nothing. One of the workmen suggested that they should measure the stove. Okay. And the voice of the goblin replies, you need not trouble. The diameter is six inches, which was absolutely correct. That's weird. I know, right? How it's, does he know? I don't know. His goblin's got a measuring tape. A goblin's into measure. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. I thought they were chaotic beings. Yeah. Fine. All right. Well, you know, I guess if you're living in a stove. Sure. Because another name for this is the stove goblin. <laughs> okay. I guess you, you, you kind of know the size of a place. I, I don't know the size of places. Uh, fair enough. Well, you're not a goblin living in a stove. Yeah, maybe if I only had six inches to work with, I would know it. <laughs> yeah, you need not trouble. The diameter is six inches and I am bloody stuck in here. Yeah. <laughs> well, the police ended up evacuating the entire building wow. so that they could completely search it and kept a 30-yard perimeter around the building so that the prankster couldn't leave if he was still in there or return if he was, you know, coming and going. Yeah. They called in doctors, psychologists, and even priests to speak to this goblin. Why and- did they try to psychoanalyze the goblin? <laughs> well, I guess the idea is that maybe this is a crazy person behind it. Maybe, you know, get a psychologist in to deal with I don't know. Uh, sure. I think they're trying to throw everything at the wall. I mean, they got a priest in who sprinkled a load of holy water over the stove. Amazing. I mean, I guess, okay, this is the thing. I can kind of understand the priest if you're like, Maybe it is a duende. You never know. Yeah. Like, priests know how to deal with that kind of thing. This idea of a psychiatrist coming in and being like, hey, random guy living in the stove, <laughs> tell me about your childhood. <laughs> hey, random guy, you clearly have some issues. Do you want to have a chat? Like, yeah, what? <laughs> it's like, no, I'm a goblin. It's like, well, goblin, do you want a chat? Goblin starts talking through all his problems. Goblins have lots of problems, especially when you live in a stove that's only six inches in diameter. But the problem is psychiatrists at the time are still heavy into Freud. So yeah. how, prob- <laughs> how do you psychoanalyze a goblin through Freudian theories? Well, first you give it cocaine. Oh, perfect, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we want a cocaine-addicted goblin in our stove. No, especially because this goblin is already a bit of a twat. <laughs> According to further articles in the Times, the voice spoke incessantly throughout all of this investigation, and ghost tours from nearby Bilbao... I don't know. Whatever. What, Bilbao? Is that... Do you know it? Uh, It's like a relatively common name for places, I think, in in Spain. Oh, I didn't know that at all. I've heard of Bilbao. Oh, fair enough. There's, the thing is that I always got I got worried while I was researching this. I was basically just going to say Bilbo. Yeah, of course. And especially like we referenced Lord of the Rings earlier. So <laughs> in my head just then it was kind of like, don't say Bilbo, don't say Bilbo. And then I said Bilbao and I was like, sounded a bit too much like Bilbo. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Bilbao. <laughs> well, anyway, people from Bilbao uh, organized ghost tours Cool, all right. In order to try and visit the goblin. But the police wouldn't let them in? Well, presumably so, but I think you've still got crowds outside and people probably bribing the police. Oh, I would imagine. Yeah. During all this chaos, all of a sudden, the goblin stopped talking. Oh. Starves to death in that six-inch pipe. (laughs) Well, it was quiet, and after two days of hearing nothing more... The police, who'd been keeping an eye on the situation, 
basically say, we think it's gone. <laughs> yeah. And the town magistrate who basically wanted this whole business over and done with declared the case closed and just recalled the police. Awesome. He's like, okay, everyone's had their fun with the goblin, but now we're going to go home and, you know, go back to normal. We've had so many thefts. <laughs> yeah. And there's no one investigating them because <laughs> no one's in their houses at the minute. Yeah. <laughs> this turned out to be a mistake. Okay. After the police withdrew, a group of neighbours came to visit the Palazons. I hope to sort of... Check on them? Yeah. Be like, how are you doing? Yeah. But while the neighbours were there, they heard the goblin again. Oh, no. The goblin shouted, cowards, 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 here I am. All right. The police returned. <laughs> and the case basically started anew. Oh, wow. The Palazons, by this point, had kind of had enough. And they're preparing to move. Yeah, I think that's a good plan. Yeah. Also, this is a good thing, because, like, in ghost stories, no one ever moves. I love mm. that these people are like, well, then, like, that's yeah. it. Yeah. It may also be because the goblins started saying ominous things. Oh, no. It started saying to the police, I am coming. I am coming. Oh. He never turned up. <laughs> it, it, to me, it's very George R. R. Martin. <laughs> what? Like, the goblin's coming yeah. it's definitely coming it's coming in a bit it's coming in a while it may come who knows <laughs> turns up instantly slain by somebody yes but you know I, I mean prior to it not turning up that is pretty worrying oh yeah like even if it is just a man yeah it's concerning so i'm not surprised the palazons want to leave yeah no i would be out of there yeah and i think this further fueled the stories that the Palazons were basically being driven from their home. Uh, interest continued to sweep the country and internationally. A Barcelona radio station wanted to put a microphone in the room to broadcast the voice. That would be really cool. It would have been, but I don't think the police were into the idea. No, that's fair. Uh, there was even talk of investigators coming from Scotland Yard to visit the apartment. Okay, wow. Because, you know, at the time... British police were the best in the world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, we are going to send the best people to deal with this goblin. Yeah. On the and meanwhile, they're all hopped up on like um, uh, Sherlock Holmes ideas yeah. and Arthur Conan Doyle. They're like, we're going to do this Hound of the Baskerville style. I mean, to be fair, Conan Doyle did believe in fairies. I know he did. Yeah. Well, on the 30th of November, the governor of Zaragoza had basically had enough. He wanted to call an end to everything. So he basically was like, everyone, calm down, settle down. We are all going to work together and we are going to find the prankster behind this goblin. On the 4th of December, so just a few days later, the governor seemingly unilaterally decreed that he had found the person behind the goblin. Oh! And that person was Pasquala, the maid. What? Now... He wasn't actually blaming her for it. He basically says that she created the voice, but she wasn't responsible for it. Okay. He claimed that she was performing the voice in a fugue state using what he called unconscious ventriloquism. But she showed it to the family. Yeah. So she wasn't in a fugue state. Well, as in, like, she was not aware that she was doing it. Okay. Is that possible? Is that something people have ever done? <laughs> well, this this has this has 
uh, mirrors of like people blaming something on ergotism, you know, when yeah. that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, there was an official in charge of the investigation who seemed to vaguely support this as a possibility, saying that he'd seen something similar before. But I have <laughs> when? to say, I want, well, I want details. There aren't. Like, okay, I mean, I did a psychology degree. I don't know if we've mentioned. We probably have on the I think podcast. So. Yeah, a couple of times. Um, I've never heard of this. You ca- there's no information about this. I think they just made up this idea and gave it a term to sound a bit more scientific. How was she supposed to be doing this from outside the perimeter of the house? Yeah, I mean, that is a question that they did not have an answer for, and I think they basically just evaded it. They were just like, nope, nope, she was probably in another room or something doing it. Who knows? But she wasn't in the building. Ah, let's not deal with it. We know it was Pasquale. Poor thing. She's suffering from a mental problem. It's a, in the words of the governor, a psychic phenomenon produced only in certain circumstances. So, you know, it's not surprising you haven't heard of it. It's very rare. Because he's never heard of it. Because he's making it (laughs) up. What is this? Yeah. I mean, totally making it up. But... He and the city officials basically declare, this is an end to the matter. Like, it was Pasquala, poor thing, it's not her fault, but, you know, everyone can just get on with their lives now. But if that was something she was doing, that would be really fascinating and we'd need to study that in more detail. For one thing, she's not just casting her own voice while in a fugue state seeming perfectly normal, but she's casting a male voice. Yeah. How is she... (laughs) How is she supposed to be doing that? There are a lot of questions about how Pasquale is meant to be responsible for this voice. You can't just shrug that off and be like, eh, women's issues. Like, what is that? (laughs) To be fair, doctors do similar things today. Not okay. I mean, they do, <laughs> not- but not to the extent that you have got a magic skill because you're a woman and you're suffering. Like- I, you appear to be on your period, and you've summoned a goblin. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, women's issues. What are they like? This is a right? well-known symptom of PCOS is being able to speak in tongues. <laughs> Not even speak in tongues, just speak in a a completely different voice and insult people. And throw your voice. Yeah. Magically. From a different building. Yeah. Well, regardless, the governor and the city officials are not answering any more questions. They're kind of like, we're done with this. We're not going to arrest Pasquala. Partly because they don't have the evidence to do so, and partly because I don't think they want this thing drawn out any longer. Okay. So they're basically like, it's over. It's completely over. We don't have to talk about this anymore. But they do. Well, Pasquala ends up actually moving away back to her hometown because a lot of people were annoyed because despite all the stuff we've just talked about, people there were a number of people who thought that, you know, it was Pasquala. And sure. they were they were pretty angry. I mean, I guess people do listen to people in authority, and yeah. they used to even more back in those days. Yeah, but no- they shouldn't have if this is your explanation. True. Nothing more was heard from the goblin ever again. Some future tenants claimed that they could hear ghostly sounds, but to be honest, that was probably just the connected stove. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like the stove goblin ever materialized again. Now, there is some, I guess, 
memorial to this whole event. Really? In 1977, the apartment building was demolished, but in honor of the Zaragoza Goblin story, the new building that replaced it was called Edificio Duende. Oh! Or Goblin Building. Amazing. So, I have absolutely no idea what was going on here. I... It seems to me that there's got to have been multiple people involved in this. I don't think it's Pasquala. I really don't think it's Pasquala. And I don't think it's the Palazons either. They seemed really put out by this. Well, they had to leave their home for a set amount of time. Yeah. That's got to be a bit of a bummer. Like, And end up having to move. Yeah. Like, it's definitely... No one in this story is selling the rights to their life story and going on tour. Or charging people to come and see the goblin. No. Like, they really are just like, we are sick of this. This is our home. Please stop coming here. (laughs) We just don't want this guy screaming at us anymore. So... I mean, all I can think of that it's got to have been multiple people working in, working together so that they could, you know, evade capture. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. No one has an explanation for the Zaragoza goblin. I think it's pretty interesting, but my God, it must have been so annoying. <laughs> Thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4 and suggest episodes to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song, Anachronist, as well as any other music that Barnaby's used in this podcast. And thank you for listening. Now, go out, invest in eels, and unconsciously throw your voice. Bye!